Stand Up for the Truth is sponsored by Lakeshore Communications Incorporated and made possible by your generous tax-deductible donations at StandUpForTheTruth.com slash donate. This is Stand Up for the Truth, educating, empowering, and connecting Christians to stand on God's Word and truth. A man who won't stand up for his own principles is not really a man at all. Get involved by emailing comments at StandUpForTheTruth.com. You can't handle the truth! Now, here's the host of Stand Up for the Truth. Mike LeMay. Cutting through the noise and fog of this world and pointing us to the eternal truth of God's Word. Hello, friends. Mike LeMay and David Fiorazzo. Welcome to another edition of Stand Up for the Truth. Should be a very exciting show today, but before we even attempt to make sense from the Word of Almighty God, we go before His throne humbly in prayer. And Lord God, we thank you for what we so often take for granted and that we can come boldly to your throne to receive mercy and grace, to help us in time of need. We praise you, Lord, that we don't have to cower, although we are to have a reverential fear of you, and we love you, and we thank you for all that you've done, all that Jesus did for us and provided for us, so that all we need to do is believe and then walk in newness of life, one day at a time, in the sanctification that you lead us. Uh, We just thank you, Jesus, for giving us everything we need, and we know that things are getting dark out there, and it's getting more challenging in a lot of societies to live as a Christian. And we pray, Lord, that you would uh, bring the remnant, awaken the remnant in America, that we may stir up revival or another awakening of some kind. We need a stir of your Spirit, Lord. We need a touch from a mighty God, and we rely on your power and the leading of the Holy Spirit, and we pray that you touch America's leaders and pastors, that you would revive them, wake them, wake us up in the name of Jesus. And we thank you so much that we have the truth that we can share, and there's evidence for that truth, and there's reasons to believe what we believe. It's not just some random uh, hope that we we might think that we uh, there's a heaven out there. No, we know from God's Word because your word is truth, and we thank you for that, Lord. And we lift up this hour to you. We praise you for the opportunity to talk about things that matter, things that will draw us to you, will strengthen our faith, and embolden us, hopefully, to go out from wherever, wherever we go out from in our daily lives to be salt and light in this culture and to share the good news of Jesus Christ. May we do that, Lord. May we one day hear, well done, good and faithful servants. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. First Peter 3.15 tells us, But in your hearts, honor Christ the Lord as holy, always being prepared to make a defense to anyone who asks you for a reason, for the hope that is in you, yet do it with gentleness and respect. The only way to dismantle lies is to respectfully confront people with truth. And our guest this morning is doing that as he travels around the world, sharing the hope of Jesus Christ with people deceived by the clever lies of the enemy. Carl Kirby of Reasons for Hope Ministry joins us this morning. We're going to talk about their video series titled Debunked and the impact it is having in spreading the truth, love, and grace of the gospel. Carl, welcome back to Stand Up for the Truth. Mike and David, you guys so blessed me. And I got to tell you, that opening prayer, brother, thank you. I don't hear that enough in the public. And uh, praise God you guys are opening like that. I, I mean, that that really... That touched me, man, and I appreciate it, because that's, that's the heart of what we're doing. Amen. Hey, Carl, you wanted to start off with this morning uh, with an article at Yahoo about Democratic presidential candidate Kamala Harris. She's a rising star in the Democratic Party. Many feel she may eventually be the nominee, but uh, you found a little bit of humor in a, uh, in a campaign speech she was giving. Well, <laughs> I'm a guy that says we need to learn to start critically evaluating all the messages that are being thrown at us. And look beyond the veneer. you got to double-check everything. And, and quite frankly, don't trust anybody, including myself. You need to double-check what I'm saying to make sure that it lines up with truth. But then you have to have a definition for truth, but that's a bunny trail, so we won't go there right now. But when you, when I saw this picture, it popped up on my phone. I was reading you know, the news, trying to stay up with the news, and it, this was like two days ago. And it had this picture inside of a gymnasium, and the, and the caption said, and you can still go on Yahoo and, and, and see it, and the, and the caption said, the overflow crowd listens as Harris speaks in another room during a campaign uh, stop in Summersworth, New Hampshire. <laughs> and I'm looking at this, and 
the they haven't pulled the the stadium seating out all the way. I mean, there's like big gaps and all this holes, and I'm like, wow. So, if you compare this with other rallies that are taking place, there's a whole lot of gaps going on there, man. <laughs> <laughs> There's a whole lot of empty space going on there. And like this is like, oh, we need to get all excited about this. And I'm saying, and then in the other side, on the other cheek, you're going to make fun of another guy who's having rallies, and they have people standing down the street for like blocks and blocks and blocks. And I'm like, okay, guys, this is manipulation. Don't fall for this stuff. Um, throngs of crowds. Well, I don't, I, I don't want to be disrespectful, but that's a pretty sad uh representation of throngs of people in my humble opinion well isn't that just like the media to give us those misrepresentations uh, of this idea and i suppose you believe the rumor too that people wait 24 to 48 hours in advance to get into those other rallies don't you carl (laughs) it's like come on you know it's so it's so silly man and and Yes, that is the media, and that's why I tell folks all the time, we've got to get our eyes open to seeing what's going on here. And that's what we do in museums. That's what we do when we go to the zoos. And so I'm saying we need to do that when we turn on the television, we watch, when we watch a movie, when we watch a TV show, when we play a video game. Critical thinking is a lost skill in the culture period, not even in just in Christendom. I think it's across the culture. We, we've got a generation that's just basically – uh, fallen into the, the trap of just believing what they see in a headline, then they don't go read the actual article or go read the sources that they cite to find out what the truth really is. Yeah, it's like the, the question, Carl, would be, when is a more successful rally? A sellout in a room that can fit 10 people or a 90% <laughs> yeah. capacity in a room that can fit 10,000 people? I'm I'm telling you, man, because I I saw like next to nothing on the 4th of July uh, celebration that they had in Washington, D.C. I I really didn't. I I was off and I I just kind of looked. I took a day off from the media and everything. But I was just yesterday. I saw some uh, clips from it and and the people that were all there in the rain. I mean, in the rain. Yes. And (laughs) that was kind of like, now that was. I would consider an overflow crowd, okay? Not, not a gymnasium with, uh, you know, like, what, what, let me count, one, two, three, four rows of seats, and two rows halfway down are completely empty, and they didn't even pull the bleachers all the way out. So, to me, get your eyes open. Make sure that you're not being deceived, because we live in a world where Satan is king, and he knows how to deceive. And I shouldn't say king. He is the father of lies, because we still have Jesus, the true king. But Satan is sure in the business of deceiving right now, and he's, he's having a field day. Can we talk a little bit more about, um, it's not just the media, Carl, but um, it's the public school system in America, yeah. the education system, which some of us call it a, a government-run school system or government yeah. schools. And there are some, even in the church, that think we're making too big of a deal out of the fact that they do not teach the Bible anymore. And years ago, many, many years ago, they used to teach the Bible and theology and pray and so many other things, and that's been long gone. And so there are Christians now that have kind of accepted that fact that, well, you know, evolution is more reasonable, isn't it? And so this is a—I know you're, you're very passionate about this, and I'd just love to get your, your thoughts on what the, the uphill battle that Christian parents, particularly those who are informed, uh, have in the uh, public school systems. Well, uh, you know, when you, uh, you made that really nice link on your website, linking over to, uh, to the information about me, the Stand Up for Truth, that you sent to me, and I went and I looked at it, and I said, wow, that's really nice. But then down on the bottom, you have related posts. And one of the posts that popped up on there was when uh, you reported a few years ago on students uh, stomping on Jesus. Do you remember that? Yeah. Mm. Yep. Yep. That was a school in Florida. Florida, Christian, Florida, what is it, F- Florida Atlantic University, FAU. Florida Atlantic University. And the only reason when I saw that, that that hit me so hard was because I spoke in Boca Raton, which was just within miles of that university about two years ago. And when I got done speaking, it was about 400 youth in a youth group. When I got done speaking, there was a line of young people that just wanted to talk. And I I mean, this is kind of a normal thing. 
People tell me kids don't care, youth don't care. They are dead wrong. When you get out and you shoot them straight and, you, and you've got something real and honest and you want to really challenge them to think, I see great responses. Mm-hmm. So this line comes up, and the first young man that was up there in that line said to me, he said, I just took a class in uh, – the, the psychology at Florida Atlantic University, the professor day one handed out index cards, told us, because I told everybody, I said, when I do camps, I like to hand out index cards on day one and say, write down the questions that are keeping you from selling out for the Lord Jesus Christ, because the rest of this week, that's what we're going to try and ad- address. I, I, I'm not coming in with an agenda that I'm going to try and answer questions that you're not asking. Uh, I want you to bring the stuff and let's go for it. And so he said, yeah, my psychology professor handed out index cards, day one, write Jesus on it, stand up, put it on the ground, now step on it, because the rest of this class, we're going to destroy the greatest myth that's ever been perpetuated on this planet. Wow. Another student, about three about three kids later, comes up and says, same university, English, English professor, not on the first day, but somewhere, you know, after a few weeks, one day shuts the book, comes around, sits on the front of his desk, and tells everybody, shut your books, we're just going to talk today. And he tells the kids, I'm rich. I don't need this job. I've got a great house. I've got a great car. I don't need this job. I'm here for one reason, one reason only, to destroy Christianity. Now, if parents don't understand that this is no longer the exception, this is normal in the government schools. And yes, I call them government schools. Yes. uh, Because they are government schools. The, The government is... Is, is training a generation to think, and they spend, and our youth spend an average of 900 hours a year in a school. And so I tell parents, it's like, parents, look, I understand there are circumstances and situations that don't allow uh, parents to put their children in private schools or to homeschool. I understand that. I really do. Uh, but we have to take the, the responsibility of educating our children very seriously, and it's our, biblically, it's our responsibility, specifically fathers, to, uh, to train their children in the fear and admonition of the Lord. And if I abdicate that responsibility to a government school system that is absolutely geared for destroying faith, it is absolutely—I mean, we pay thirty, forty, fifty, sixty thousand dollars $60,000 a year. I've got so many emails from kids who have gone off to college, who were raised in the church, go to school, and get, and get ready to or chuck everything— because they're going to schools where they're paying forty, fifty, sixty thousand dollars a year, and that school is absolutely has as professors that are just frothing at the bit to get these Christian kids so they can destroy their faith, and it doesn't make sense to me. We talk about we're sending our children to these school systems as missionaries. We are not. If you're going to send a missionary, you spend a couple of years of training them, teaching them, teaching them the language, preparing them to go into an environment, and we're not doing that. We're sending our children as lambs to the slaughters to these school systems, and we've got to wake up. We do indeed. Carl, I remember back when uh, my son was a freshman in high school, uh, he was working at his algebra, and I was just hoping he wouldn't ask me to help him because I stunk at algebra. Uh, and he did ask me one day, and I had to say, look, I, I don't have any answers for you. We seem to be taking that same approach with the Bible when we do have the answers, but we don't seem to want to take the time to sit down with our children and say, let's see what God says about this. I think there's an uh, intimidation factor. I mean, you, t- you mentioned algebra. I took two classes in college to get to college algebra. And so I'm in, I'm in college algebra now, and one night I'm working, I'm trying to do my homework, and I'm so frustrated, I'm ready to throw the book out the window. And my wife comes over and says, what's wrong with you? I said, this stuff just doesn't make sense. And she looks at it and goes, boom, 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 done. And I'm like, how did you do that? Oh, we took that in junior high. So now I want to throw my wife out with the book. But, you know, I did. I did. But... Um, I understand that, and so I, I think that a lot of parents are in that same position when it comes to the Bible, because let's be honest, Mike, David, I don't know, my generation, at least all the kids that I knew that grew up in the church and around the church, we learned stand-up, sit-down, kneel, we learned ritual, we learned good boys don't do this, children to be seen and not heard, don't ask those questions, but we didn't learn about Jesus, and we didn't learn how to apply our faith. Application of the Bible in the real world, that was unheard of. I mean... Honestly, all I ever learned were Bible stories and a couple of Bible verses, Mm. but how to apply my faith to people that are asking hard questions? Well, guess what? If you never learned how to do that, how do you pass that on to a generation where now that is the norm? Now you have the professors that are looking for the students. Are you a Christian? Another girl. This just happened this last uh, trip when I was out in Glendive, Montana. I spoke. Teenage girls come up, and she says to me, I was homeschooled. I, I, I was raised in the church. I go to my first uh, college class, history class, and the professor asks on day one, 
who wrote the book of Genesis? And she's like, oh, this is awesome. I know that. Raises her hand. And Moses. And then the professor proceeds to destroy and show that Moses never existed. That's just a bunch of fairy tale and fable. And she was like, I didn't have a clue. I didn't know how to answer any of that. This is the first time anybody's ever showed me how to give an answer for what I believe. And I'm not trying to hold us up like we're the greatest thing on the earth since sliced bread. I'm just saying that application, that application component is not being taught because most of us don't know how to do it. Our guest this morning is from Reasons for Hope Ministry, Carl Kirby here on Stand Up for the Truth. Carl, you said you were out in Montana. Now, you were out there digging up dinosaur bones. Uh, talk to us about yeah. how that went. Oh, my goodness, man. We uh, See, I told you I love taking our faith out into the real world because, to me, if the Word of God is true, uh, and this is something that I came to after becoming a Christian, then two years later getting convicted to, to go look at the evidence in the world around me and not just, you know, just, well, I just believe. I just believe. Um, so uh, I started going and looking at zoos and museums and aquariums. Well, a few years ago, I, I ran into this group, uh, Glendive Dinosaur and Fossil Museum. They're in Glendive, Montana. And uh, Otis Klein is the guy who started it 10 years ago. I, I was privileged to speak at their 10-year celebration this last week. And uh, they were like, hey, we take people on dinosaur digs. You want to bring some people? And I'm like, yeah. So <laughs> we actually filmed one of our videos out there, the, the Weapons of Mass Instruction. I call it uh, turning zoos, museums, and aquariums into weapons of mass instruction. We, did, we shot a video out there on site in the dinosaur field. And so then I started taking people back because I was so impressed with what they're doing. But this last week, man, uh, we had people out digging, and this was a really good week. Um, one lady, one of our, uh, we have a couple, Tommy and Martha, who are, are they're the experts on, on the bones and they are, they are amazing. They do such a good job. Miss Martha found a, a T-Rex tooth about an inch, a little over an inch long T-Rex tooth. Um, the folks that, that we took out there to dig me personally, I found what we, we think is a piece of a skull. It's about, about a four inch by about five inch long uh, piece of skull. And it's got the blood vessel holes and the nerve holes that go into it. And so we think it's a piece of the skull. Uh, found some, I found some tendon, some dinosaur tendon. Uh, we had all kinds of things. But the implications of this, especially the dinosaur tendon, I mean, you think about it. The, this, is, this is something that's not going to be supported with slow, gradual processes. This is something that had to happen very catastrophically, very quickly. This flesh is going to rot away <laughs> extremely quickly. Tendons are going to rot away very quickly. And so the fact that we are finding things like that, this stuff had to get covered up very rapidly. And we know it's catastrophically because, uh, like, where, where I was digging on this piece of what we think is a skull, we found right in that one area, I was working for about five hours. I found the tendon. I found turtle shell. I found a piece of the skull. I found two pieces of a rib, and we found uh, some fruit uh, called a palm fruit. So all of these things were all jumbled together and mixed together, which absolutely is supported. Montana, there's not a lot of water. <laughs> it's dry. It's hot. And all of this stuff is laid down in these sedimentary layers, uh, which would have absolutely fit with what God said he did when he said he sent a global flood and judged sin. So, uh, hey, by the way, if you judge sin the first time, he's going to judge it again the second time. You better be ready. Amen. Carl Kirby, Reasons for Hope Ministry, our guest. More with Carl when we come back. If you want more info on the topics of today's show, then visit StandUpForTheTruth.com. Now, back to Mike LeMay. Our guest this morning, Carl Kirby of Reasons for Hope Ministry. He travels around the world. He is sharing the truth of the gospel. Got a great video series called Debunked. We're going to talk about in our third segment. Carl, I, I, I want to see if I'm missing something here. My lovely bride and I just got back from a wonderful trip to Alaska. And we went up and saw, um, I think it was called the Mendenhall Glacier. This thing is incredible. And one of the guides was telling us how... Climate change is affecting the glaciers, but then he went on to say the glaciers expanding by about 30 feet a year. And I took the 30 feet and I kind of divided it into how big the glacier is, and I roughly came out with about seven to 8,000 years that this glacier had been in existence. But so on the one hand, he's saying it's been here for millions of years, climate change is eroding it, and not 30 seconds later, 
he basically gave me the formula to tell me it had been here for about 7,000 years and how climate change, how, how the uh, glacier was actually growing, not decreasing. Is this a situation of the world just bombarding us with disinformation and we just kind of give up and believe it? Well, that's definitely a tool that is used. It's very, very difficult now because we have so many experts on every side throwing all of this at us. And if you don't believe the expert on this side, then they'll call you this name. And if you don't believe the expert on that side, then they'll call you on that this name. So, uh, again, to me, the, the whole aspect is to do what you just did. You listened, and then you went and you did research. Um, <clears throat> when you do your research, make sure you know the person that you're gleaning from. What what are their biases? This is one of the things that I do in that training when we do the Chicago Field Museum training. You need to know the bias of the uh, person that you're reading. Because like I told you guys earlier, I, I look, I'm biased. You better check me out. I, I'll, I'll admit my bias. God is who he claimed to be. His word is true. And uh, when I look at the world around me, I look at it through the lens of God's word, that historical account. So, uh, yes, I do believe that people have agendas. There's truth, there's what we think is true, and then there's things that we want to be true. And depending on what my agenda is, look, there's sometimes where I can see things that just may not be there, but I really want them to be there, and, and not do it intentionally. But on the other hand, man, I think there's a, just a lot of misdirection going on right now, and especially on uh, issues like this, because it's such a strong, strong uh, belief that, man, if, you, if you're not into... Uh, cutting carbon and getting rid of all the electricity and getting rid of gas and you just hate the planet and you just want to destroy everything and it's like, hey, look, man, Christians, we need to be the ones that are taking care of this planet more so than anybody else because God told us we're going to be held accountable for with what he gave us. And if we're not being good stewards with what he gave us, which right now, and, and many, look, I, uh, one of my favorite places, you went to Alaska, I go down to a, a small island called Cozumel, and my last trip down there, I don't get down there very often, but when I do, it's like I love it. Man, my last trip down there, when I went on the other side of the island where there's no no people, hardly, there is so much junk on the beach. We're not doing a good job of taking care of our stuff. And so, uh, you know, we have to be careful with that. But you're right, man. There's People will say this, and then they'll contradict themselves, which is why, look, read, and double-check, and see uh, see what the truth is on these things, and know the bias of the person that you're reading. But... Don't just take it for at face granted, at face uh, face value. You brought up Cozumel. Um, our my uh, in laws uh, blessed the whole family with a trip down there several years ago, and we really enjoyed a nice mm -hmm. little vacation. A beautiful place, and I didn't get to the other side of the island. But uh, about twenty years ago, I went on a missionary trip through uh, Food for the Poor, and we went uh, we went to Jamaica, and yeah. I had seen postcards. And the travel brochures of Jamaica, and I never saw anything like that. Uh, what well, we, we went to the side <laughs> of the island where there were very poor people, and when I mean poor, yes, these are people living in either tin or cardboard shanties or shacks. Yes. They don't have clean running water. It was a mess. The kids. Yes. We went to this massive garbage dump, the size probably of a football field, and yeah. the kids go into this dump looking for recyclables or the newest things that people dump there that there may be some food or something but they look for plastics bottles yeah. cans this is how they they live it's it was so heartbreaking but again carl you mentioned we don't see that side of things so now that's another country there are corrupt governments in in all around yeah, the world yeah. that don't treat their own oh. people properly. They don't take care of their own people. Let's talk about here in America. You said the Christian church. There's a battle going on with this radical environmentalism that's happening. And it's just taking over politicians. They're preaching about it. They're talking about it, putting the planet first. You know what that leads to? Population control. Oh, it's man's fault. Let's talk about the yeah. danger of this, Carl, how when this gets into the church, it's a pretty big problem because then we look at we are the cause of everything. Yeah. We remove God. And I also, that's that's part A of my question. I also want you to talk about how in Second Peter it says the earth and the elements will be burned up. Everything will be destroyed. Not to say we yeah. shouldn't you know, take care of the planet, but we can't save the planet. Go, Carl. Right, right. <laughs> okay. AD, ADD is going to take me in a bunch of different <laughs> 
<laughs> Thanks, sir. Okay. Uh, you, you, first of all, you mentioned Jamaica. Let me give you a little story about Jamaica. I led mission trips down there for years. Uh, when I was coaching high school basketball, I took my best spiritual players down there, and we taught at a camp in a, in a, at a Fairview Baptist Bible College down in uh, Jamaica. And you're, those children that you're talking about, mm-hmm. we called them the Kingston kids. Kingston, and yes, that's where we went. Yep. Oh, yeah. I know, brother. It's uh, That's the only place on this planet that I've ever walked during the, the middle of the day, and I'm walking down the street, and I was afraid. I was mm. scared. I was, I was I was afraid. You could feel the hatred. You could feel uh. you could feel it was going to explode. You could just feel it. And I'm not a I'm not a real charismatic kind of guy, man. I'm so white cornbread conservative. You see me raising a hand at church, I'm swatting a fly. I am super conservative. <laughs> but I could feel you could feel the anger and the hatred, man. Mm. So anyway, we're teaching this camp and uh and the guys told me, he said, just wait till the Kingston kids get here and I'm like, What the world's a Kingston kid? I didn't have a clue first time down there. And when those when those children showed up, they were running and playing and just yelling and having a great time. And I mean, they were way energetic. And uh, so I, I said, "So what? What's uh, what's wrong with that?" And they're like, "Well, these kids are going to be way active because where they live, they don't go outside and play because they're in the trash dumps and they're in the, and they're in the places where people's going to take a machete to them and kill them if they get out and get loud." And this one little boy was running and running and running. The next day, I couldn't find him. I'm looking around, and so I finally went into the, where the nurse's uh, room was. And his feet—he'd had these hard plastic shoes on. Those those hard plastic shoes. The day before, as he'd done all that running, it tore his feet up. Oh. We are such a blessed nation, man. Yes, we are such a blessed nation. Now, that doesn't mean that we don't have our issues. That doesn't mean that we don't have our problems. Absolutely. So now, to springboard from that over to the question about the radical environmentalism. I think I'm on track here with you. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so, yeah, it, it, it is an issue. And and this is where it's hard because, look, is there, is there, are there things going on right now that we really do need to take care of? That, do I support the fact that uh, you have companies dumping uh, raw sewage into the ocean? No, absolutely not. Because it's a stewardship issue. We're destroying what God gave us. Do I support the fact that anything is going on uh, where they have to close beaches because of the the, the, the chemicals or the whatever the nastiness is that's in there? Absolutely not. But to make the claim that we are doing all of this just isn't the, the whole truth. There are lots of other things going on. And so, yes, I do believe that this is a tool because when you read... The, 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 the people that don't believe in God, when you read their side and they do blame man for everything, one of their, their big fixes to all of this is kill off half of the people. We've got way too many people on this planet. We need to kill off half of the people. And that is a, a, a mindset that has come about because of a belief that there is no God, mm. and so people are just expendable. They're animals, and so we need to get rid of useless eaters. And by the way, guys... This is what Hitler used back in the day to kill off the six million plus people that he killed, which he started with his own people. But people don't think it's happening today. It is. You, yeah. This mindset is already there. When you read these guys, because yeah. we are animals, because we are nothing more, uh, we have no value other than how pretty, how smart, how talented, how much money we have. You have a group that is out there that is getting more vocal that we have to c- control the population. We have to get rid of people. Well, that's not what God said. God said that every person on this planet has value, has worth, because he loved them so much that while they were rejecting him, he died for them. Is there room for all of the people that we have on this planet and room to to grow? Yes, absolutely. But that's going to take good stewardship, not killing off half of the people. That's that's a worldview that is based on the fact that there is no God. So I do see a connection between radical environmentalism and the worldview. Carl Kirby of Reasons. Yeah. Carl Kirby of Reasons for Hope Ministry, our guest this morning. Carl, you recently led a tour through the American Museum of Natural History, and it's very interesting. Talk to me, because I assume when when many people go to these types of natural history museums, they're just automatically assuming billions of years, dinosaurs way before man. When you lead the tour, how do you use that information to really point these young people to the fact that we were created by God? There's a few, two or three ways that you can do this. Like, uh, I'll give you a couple of examples. 
uh, one exhibit when you walk in and you see uh, mastodons and mammoths and that sort of a thing. Uh, one thing that we'll do is we'll just go through design features. So I use design features quite a bit in museums because, uh, I, like you guys, I think you guys know me pretty well by now that I'm definitely ADD. I'll go down bunny trails and you got to pull me back like you just had to do. Man. No, not too bad today so far, Carl. Oh, good. But, so we're going there, and I like to I like to take people down there because you have a younger generation that is. Uh, I think they're like that, man. And so if I try to get from A to Z in a linear line, I'm going to lose them about B. So, so, so if I take them off on these little side bunny trails, it keeps their attention. So you walk in and you see the mastodon on the mammoth. You start talking through design features on an on an elephant. Uh, do you know how many muscles are in the trunk of an elephant? No That's idea. It's over a. It's over a hundred thousand. What? Now, there's four major. Yeah, there's four major ones that move it left, right, up, and down. But then there's these tiny muscles that are called fascicles, and there's over a hundred thousand of them that that radiate through the trunk of an elephant like a like a bicycle hub and spoke thing. You have that center, and then uh, the spokes go out from there, and that's how these fascicles run throughout the trunk of an elephant, which gives them the dexterity to pick up a dime off of the ground with their trunk. Okay. I can't even pick up a dime off of the ground with a trunk. I, I mean, with my fingers, I can't even bend over anymore to get it. But that's how that's how much sensitivity their, their their trunk has. But when you look at a skull of an elephant, this is one of the things that I'll do with the kids. All right, you don't know anything about an elephant. You're out here and you're just searching and you find this skull. What did this skull belong to? And uh, it's got that big hole in the forehead. And uh, what what was there? And what's interesting is that then when you go back and look at some of the history, in the area around where the uh, Cyclops legends originate, they had pygmy dwarf elephants. And so one of the claims is that people came up with the whole legend of Cyclops because they found one of those dwarf elephant skulls, which is a mammal. It's bigger than a human, but it's not as big as an elephant. So they said, this was a giant human that had an eye in the very center where that hole is. Look, if you don't have all the evidence, you're going to look at this and you are going to use your imagination to fill it around it. But I guarantee you, you'd never come up with a trunk that has 100,000 plus muscles in it to do this because it just wouldn't be out there. So I use design features. And how does a nose of a rat have mutations to turn into a trunk with over 100,000 muscles in it? Doesn't happen. So I use design <laughs> features. But then, then I use the actual uh, the exhibits themselves. Uh, there's uh, one, oh, my favorite one. Oh, my goodness. Lucy. I mean, the American Museum of Natural History has the exhibit on Lucy. It's a great one. And so we went in there, and un actually on my main Facebook page now, I don't know if you guys saw it, you see me standing in front of this chart, this uh, phylogenetic chart that has all these skulls with the, these lines on it showing how if you start down at the bottom with an ape-like ancestor, you get all the different humans. My brother, we spent like probably 10 minutes on that chart alone because when you look at that chart and you dig deeper, that chart screams that God did what he said that he did the way that he said that he did it. Mm. And uh, so we, we spent the time on that, pointing out, here's what the actual evidence is, here's the whole belief system, here's what they don't have, here's where the interpretation came into play. So we spent like 10 minutes on that, and then we go to Lucy, and we look at Lucy, and here's the reconstruction, but here's what they actually found. Here, and so, the, again, it's the, it's the whole application component. When you know what they found, and then you look at what they have, do the two fit together? Mm, not really, because I'm showing up with uh, videos on my phone that show the guy who discovered Lucy, showing what they had to do to turn it from, an, uh, from a quadrupedal ape into an upright, walking, uh, human-like walking uh, hominid. I show the videos that they made. I don't use the Christian creation stuff. I use the secular stuff. So those those whole museums, man, our tax dollars pay for them, by the way, so why in the world are we not going in there? Those whole museums become creation museums. You can turn every zoo, every museum, every aquarium mm. across this planet into a creation zoo, museum, and aquarium when you have a biblical worldview and you know how to apply your faith. Wow. And on your Facebook page, obviously, there are, there's a whole lot more. There's a video or there's pictures of you standing in front of your recent uh, trip when you were digging uh, dinosaur bones in Montana, and a lot of videos, yeah. a lot of debunked videos. We love the the cool van you have, and I just want to talk a little bit about that, Carl. Uh, you say on your debunked page on your website at Reasons for Hope, 
Uh, we live in a world that's seeking fast-paced, straightforward, honest, visually appealing answers to the issues they're confronted with. The goal is to take on the issues that Christians are confronted with and take them them on head-on and provide answers that make sense and are biblically accurate. Your most recent one is Something Made God. Would you like to talk about, first of all, the idea for this series, the debunked series, and then the new one? Yeah, thank you for that, man. Um, Debunked goes back about 11 years now, almost 11 years. I uh, I had written a series of uh, short videos that were Mac PC parodies. Uh, remember back 11 years ago yeah. when they had the whole, hey, I'm a Mac, I'm a PC. Uh-huh. Mm-hmm. You know, your younger listeners are like, huh? Well, <laughs> go watch some. They're on YouTube and they're awfully cool, okay? Uh, but there was a parody. Hey, I'm a Mac and I'm a PC, and the Mac guy was really cool, and the PC guy was kind of like a you know, a country yodel kind of guy. Um, well, I wrote some scripts that said, hey, I'm a Christian and I'm a, I'm a creationist I'm a, and I'm an evolutionist trying to do some of that. Couldn't get them filmed. Uh, the guys that I gave the scripts to laughed me out of the room. So, so uh, my, my best friend uh, uh, wrote, sent me a blind email. This is like 11 years ago. He said, Carl, I just, he didn't know what I'd done. He said, I just saw this video. You got to go watch it. I go on uh, the internet. I watch this video, and it's a hey, I'm a cre- I'm a cre- I'm creation. I'm evolution, and it was phenomenal. And I said, oh man, these guys killed it. So I found out who did it. I wrote them, and I said, guys, I tried to get some of these made. Now I know why I couldn't get them made because you guys destroyed what I would have ever produced. I'm a fan. The guy wrote me back, and he's the guy that played PC. He wrote me back and said, Carl, I'm on your mailing list. I'm a fan. Mm. <laughs> so. They're out in uh, California. I go out. I'm speaking out there. I, I tell this guy to bring his family down. We meet. We talk. And I told him, I said, look, this generation, man, you can't, you can't dwell on one topic too long. you got to, like, stick and move. It's like a boxing match. Stick and move. Stick and move. I said, I want to create a series of videos that are taken on the issues that they're raising. I'm not going to come to you and say, well, let me tell you, where did Cain get his wife? I, look, when I started ministry 20 years ago, I got on a radio program with you guys. Within three calls, we would have got asked that question. Hmm. I tell you this. Nobody has asked me where the king get his wife in the last at least five to eight years that I can remember. And that's because they're biblically illiterate. They don't know who Cain is. Hmm. So now they ask the question in another way. If we all go back to one man and one woman, wouldn't we be a bunch of imbeciles by now because of all the inbreeding? So it's the same thing, but different, kind of a, a little different. But anyway, I, I, so... Uh, uh, that's where the ADD kicked in. Sorry. <laughs> so I, I told Bob, I said, I want these videos, man. They're like, you know, short, three and a half, five minute, dirty jobs, we Smith Busters with a Ford F-150 looking feel to it. And so that's how Debunked was born. Cool. And the very first one we did was they couldn't fit all the animals on the boat. Um, and the ministry that I was with at that time, we took it to them and they flat rejected it. They just, no, this is terrible. Too much information, too fast. Nobody's going to get it. And I was kind of disappointed, to be real honest with you. It was a real blow to my my thinking. I thought, wow, this is this is it. Well, I see how God works, because I ended up leaving that ministry about probably six, eight months later, and it was like, oh, they rejected Debunked. I own it. <laughs> so then we created, we, created, uh, we created six more, and that was like nine years ago. Well, we've not been able to do a whole lot with it, because they're expensive to produce, and so... We've created about you know seven of them in the, the first nine years. Well, about eight months ago, I got serious, and I contacted two other guys. We brought three guys on. You guys know Dave? Uh, you're friends with Dave. Dave's mm-hmm. I yeah, think absolutely. one of the contacts between you and I. And so Dave, uh, uh, we brought Dave on, and we brought Billy on, and uh, we brought Eric on. And I've asked Billy to take this debunked and make it go, because I, I had obviously taken it as far as I could. Mm-hmm. And it's phenomenal in the field. I show a debunked in the field in an audience, and I'm not going to give you evangelical numbers. Uh, reality is about 80% of the time that I show a debunked, the audience applauds when they're done. They get it. Mm. And so uh, we brought Billy on board, and we started creating one a month. So we've been able to create one a month since January. And... Uh, these are the questions that the when when we hand out those index cards that I told you about, these are the questions that we're debunking. It's not me making it up. And so one of the follow-up questions, because we did, well, there's no evidence for God. Really? Let's deal with it. Debunked it. Well, a follow-up question then is, well, okay, if there is a God and he created everything, then who created God? Boom. Gotcha. You know? And it's like, 
And so we took that on, and that's our latest debunked, mm-hmm. is that, uh, you know, because I, I love doing that. Well, mic drop, <laughs> done, you can't answer that. And we're like, no, brother, pick the mic up. We're going for it, all right? And uh, so, uh, and, and by the way, if people want to get it, uh, Mike, uh, Mike and David, they can get them for free. All they have to do is text, uh, stay bold, go on their, 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 their smartphone, their iPad, and their messaging software, and just text, stay bold, S-T-A-Y-B-O-L-D, and it can be one word or two words, uh, and the recipient that they're going to send that to is 51555. And they'll get all of the debunked for free, plus the, the, the future ones when we release them, before we release them to the public, they'll get those uh, before they go out because they become a debunked defender, and it's free. Excellent. Carl Kirby, Reasons for Hope Ministry. I guess when we come back, we're going to talk about the latest debunked. Something had to make God. If you want more info on the topics of today's show, then visit StandUpForTheTruth.com. Now, back to Mike LeMay. Our final segment of the day with Carl Kirby for Reasons for Hope Ministry. I want to give you that uh, uh, way you can get the uh, um, debunked video series again. Text the word STAY BOLD, B-O-L-D, to 51555. Carl, the latest one is Something Had to Make God. And... I think this is one where Christians can easily get tripped up on because we know the law of causality that God gave us, and we we just have a hard time getting our heads around something being the first cause rather than an effect. Can you talk about that a little bit? Oh, you betcha. That's one of my fun fun things to talk about. I, I actually do, uh, in my presentations, I do something, because again, you're trying to have a little bit of fun and 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 and, and, and keep people awake, you know? I mean, it talks can get kind of boring. So I put it like this. Look, when somebody challenges me with, well, if God created everything, then who created God? And uh, what do you think? And I'll ask them. Okay, I'll tell you what. I, will, well, I won't ask them. I'll tell them. I'll tell you what. I'll answer that question when you answer my question. What? Well, my question is, who created your gas? Because you got to understand, Christians and non-Christians both have a creator. Both sides have one, and I don't care where you come down on this issue of God or not. Both sides have to have something that has existed for all eternity, has no beginning, has no end. You have to. That's the bottom line. You can chase this bunny all the way back down to the hole, and you're going to get to the stage where something has to exist for all eternity, has no beginning, has no end. So which one makes the most sense? In the beginning, God? Or in the beginning, and by the way, it's not even gas. Because according to the evolutionary model, in the beginning, nothing created gas. And then the gas, over 14 billion years, turned itself into everything that we see. So this is, this is ultimately what you've got. In the beginning, nothing, or in the beginning, gas. And I do a whole talk on that where we take Richard Dawkins and Lawrence Krauss. Richard uh, wrote the afterword to Lawrence Krauss's book, A Universe from Nothing, Why There's Something Rather Than Nothing. And we watch their presentation where they went out and they sold tickets and sold the book explaining how you get a universe from nothing and when you watch that and you critically evaluate it people walk out just shaking their heads how in the world can anybody believe that because from their own lips they tell you that it wasn't nothing unless they redefine the term nothing so anyway uh so i tell them and, and i don't do all that i just say you know in the beginning god or in the beginning nothing which one makes the most sense so you tell me where your gas came from then i'll answer your question and then they hem haw around, but then I'll say, okay, well, let me answer your question anyway, because you can't answer it. Uh, who created my God? Nobody. God said that he is the first uncaused cause. God says that he was there from the beginning. He has no beginning. He has no end. He's the one that made time. He spoke time into existence. He's not bound by it. He created it. And so who created God? Nothing. He's the Alpha. He's the Omega. Now, if you don't like that, then let's take a look at your side of it, because you know what? Let's let's give it a fair shot. In the beginning, nothing turns into gas, which then turns into an amoeba, which turns into a worm to grow legs, to crawl out of the land, to become an amphibian, to turn into a rat, to turn into a wolf, to go back into the ocean, to become a blue whale, and you think I've got the problem. <laughs> Guys, I'm just going to put it to you like this. You've either got God or gas, and if you got gas, Bino will help you, but I'm not going there because it's just it's too far gone. <laughs> and... and uh, and I do that. I literally will do that just to challenge people to think, because it's not my job to convict or convert. It's my job to converse. It's my job to, to give an answer why I believe what I say that I believe, and then allow the Holy Spirit to do what the Holy Spirit's going to do, which is hopefully 
to put something in their mind, to, to plant this seed in their brain that, yeah, how does nothing create something? Huh. And they chew on that, and the mm-hmm. Holy Spirit just uses that to break down those strongholds that have been built up in their life to keep them from believing in a God. And so that's what that uh, that that uh, debunked on, well, who created God, is designed to do, is to, to do it a little bit more uh, diplomatic than the way that I do it with the God or gas thing. But it's outstanding, and as uh, it, I think it gives a, a lot of things for people to think about in just such a short amount of time, because you zip through these, and uh, you did a mic drop just a, a minute ago, but in the video, Something Made God, uh, the debunked yeah. video, uh, you not only do the mic drop, but you also teach a little Spanish, uh, La Statementanto de Final. I like that one. <laughs> Final statement. <Yeah. laughs> Yeah. Hey, hey man. Uh, the guy who is the genius behind this, his name is Bub. Uh, Bub uh, I told you, Bub's the guy that played PC that we met and co- co-created the uh, debunk. Bub is the genius behind these things. And, man, he he takes pieces and he makes them into these things, and he's just – it's scary. It's, <laughs> it's totally scary how much we think alike. And uh, it's like, man – it's like we're twins separated at birth or something, and that's 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 not a very good thing. That's dangerous. Mm. Hey, Carl, you he, said something. Oh, go ahead. I love it. Well, you said something I, earlier. Um, you said something earlier about young people, and this is no different today than it was when many of us were growing up, uh, going to maybe if we were going to a Christian church, um, a Sunday yeah. school class, or maybe a Bible study, or whatever it might be, and we're. Given a couple stories, maybe from the Bible, maybe we are giving a, given a few scriptures, and but we're not taught that it is based on truth. We, right. The idea is, it's a what a nice Bible story, you know. And so yeah, when we hear yeah. story, we hear oh fable, you know. What a right. what a anyway. What can parents do if for two things? First of all, if their kids don't have any. Um, Going anything going on Sunday morning where they're learning truth from God's word. If there's no Sunday school class, or if they do have one that might be about entertainment, and this could go all the way through junior high and high school, where they're just giving kids activities instead of teaching yeah. them why they believe what they believe. Well, I'm gonna tell you, I'm not a. I'm gonna get in trouble on this one. You got hey, you guys take the calls. They don't know my number. Uh, <laughs> I am not. I am not a youth group fan. I'm just going to be honest with you. Many, many, many youth groups that I've been in are okay. I'm going to tell you a real story. Go. They're warming the they're warming the crowd up for me. I'm getting up to speak after this, so they're like, okay, hey, we're going to get them all wound up for you. So I need six volunteers. Six volunteers. Okay, but you have to wear socks, huh? All right, six volunteers come up on stage. Sit down at the table. They bring out six cans of Coke. All right, I'm going to give twenty dollars to the first child who chugs a can of Coke. Uh, but wait, there's more. Take your sock off, put your sock over the can of Coke. Now I'm going to give $20 to the first child who chugs a can of Coke through the dirty sock. But wait, there's more. Pass the can of Coke to your left. Now I'm going to pay $20 to the first child who chugs the can of Coke through the dirty sock of their neighbor, and the kids did it. And so then they're like, okay, Carl, you're up. So Carl walks up, and the first thing that I do is I look at these kids, and I'm like, my heart is breaking, and I'm like, guys, I got to apologize to you because we just taught you to prostitute yourself for 20 bucks. Cause if you'll drink a can of Coke through the dirty sock of a neighbor for 20 bucks, how about if I give you 30, huh? I have 40. What will you do for me? If I give if I give you 40 guys, you're a child of the King. Don't let anybody, I don't care who it is ever treat you like a bum again. And so I've never been invited back to that. But yeah. that's just <laughs> one story that I'm seeing this in youth groups is that, one of the one of the problems is that many times the youth groups are trying to become their own little kingdoms of cool, and so uh, they're not really doing the teaching application. Another story: a church of over thirty thousand invites me to come, and they want me to do two ten minute power messages. I'm like, what's a ten minute power message? Well, that's what we do every week. We do twenty minutes of ping pong, foosball, popcorn, twenty minutes of music, ten minute power message, five minutes of person, I'm out, and I'm like. <laughs> How in the world can you prepare these children for 900 hours in a school system that's going to just absolutely come after them, 1,064 hours of TV, and this is the average that they're watching. 
1,064 hours of TV a year that is sending messages at them that the Christians are closed-minded, intolerant, bigoted, opinionated hicks. The Bible's just an old, outdated book filled with fairy tales. And then 936 hours a year of video games, which are teaching them the exact same thing. And you're going to overcome all that by doing 10-minute power messages? Jeez. And I'm like, that's what I see going on in youth groups. I do not see real teaching and application again. So parents, you need to know what's going on in the youth group. And if you've got a youth group that is not begging for that mature generation to come in there and adopt two or three of these kids, pour into them, because this generation is relational. They are totally relational, this next generation. And adopt them just to love on these kids. Spend 30 minutes a week with them. Know what's going on in their lives. There are so many single-parent homes now. If they're not begging on that mature generation to get in there and get involved with him, and he's trying to build his own little coal kingdom, you better kick that guy to the curb or you better leave, because I'm telling you, nothing good is coming out of it. You can go read over and over and over again the 20-year-olds raised in the church who walked away from the church and their experiences in the church of doing fun, uh, goofy stuff and not learning how to think, and then they walk away, and they think they know what Christianity is, and they don't have a clue. Mm. They don't have a clue what they walked away from. And we are, we, are, we are setting the generation up for failure by not teaching them how to apply their faith. And look, you can still have fun, but you don't have to demean people or diminish their value or worth. No, we're making the problem worse, not better. Hey, Carl, i got about a minute left. Uh, your debunked bus tour is coming to Milwaukee this September. How can people uh, connect and, and join in on the fun and learning? Go to getdebunked.com. That's the, uh, the debunked bus website. Um, and you can see the bus up there and videos, and uh, the debunked videos are there, but mic'd up where we do man-on-the-street videos. Those are all up there. So getdebunked.com. Or they can actually go to our rforh.com website, and that's got our uh, calendar up there, and that'll have information as well. Um, or I tell you, even if they do that, uh, text that stay bold to 51555. We send out notices on there as well to let folks uh, know where we're coming. And Dave does a really good job of contacting people in local areas, like when, when it gets up to Milwaukee. I know that uh, if you're on our mailing list, which you can sign up on our website, rforh.com. You can sign up to get on our email list. He makes a really good, uh, does a really good job of reaching out, calling folks, sending them emails, letting them know that we're coming into that area. So uh, those are those are three options. Carl, thank you so much for taking an hour out of your busy schedule and sharing how we apply First Peter three fifteen in our lives. We appreciate you, brother, and we'll talk to you again real soon. You guys bless me. Stay bold. Oh, you too. Carl Kirby, Reasons for Hope Ministry. When we come back, we wrap up today's show and talk about tomorrow. We're getting ready to wrap up today's show. Stand Up With The Truth is sponsored by Lakeshore Communications Incorporated and made possible by your generous tax-deductible donations at StandUpWithTheTruth.com slash donate. Now, here's Mike LeMay. Recently, Pastor Andrew Brunson, who was held in prison in Turkey for years, shared his observations on the American church, and it's not very encouraging. We're going to talk about that tomorrow. We're also going to take a factual look at the proposed Equality Act. It was actually passed in the U.S. House of Representatives. Its fate now lies in the Senate. But many feel this Equality Act would actually broaden inequality. So we're going to look at that tomorrow, along with Pastor Andrew Brunson's um, sad sad look at what we call church in America. Hope today that through the words of Carl Kirby and of course God, you now have a reason for hope and you can share that reason for hope with others around us. We have been given a great gift from God, the good news of the gospel, and we are his ambassadors. So let's act like ambassadors. For David Fiorazzo, Mike LeMay standing up for the truth. Be bold, strong and unashamed of the gospel because the Lord your God is always with you.